everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Join Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. If you haven't listened to part one of Alicia's story, go back to the last episode so you can hear some context for the rest of her story. So Alicia had no desire to start a blog that would reach thousands. That thought never crossed her mind. But what I love is that God doesn't waste our pain and he doesn't waste our stories. Ten years ago, Alicia had always went to church and she loved Jesus, but that was about it. She said she would spend time with him if Good Morning America wasn't good that day. But when you go through something difficult like what many of you are facing right now, it forces us to humble ourselves and lift our eyes to Jesus. And although our circumstances may or may not change, our hearts always do. And I always imagine them sitting in my prayer closet every morning waiting for me. And so if I don't go up there because I've got something else so important to do, I think about how he's just sitting there waiting, patiently, for me to get there. And I don't want to be late for him. He's sitting there, patiently waiting for you and for me. He doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. We could just sit in that for a while, but let's go ahead and jump into part two. So backing up to kind of the beginning of your story, when you said your husband got the call or you got the call that your husband's numbers were impeccable, 4 billion. Yeah. I've never even heard the word billion in a sperm count. Well, I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> that's really I, I know it was more than 4 million for some reason. I don't know. It was insane. Like I said, it was several years ago, but I just remember her being like, there's not a problem there. And yeah, like, no, I think normal is considered 15 to 20 million. So if there was a four, it would have had to be billion. Yeah. No, so that's, was, but you, and, I, and they couldn't find any, cause you know, at least they find some that are like more fat. Yeah. Or anything. Yeah. yeah. She says, and I, and I remember she's like, we couldn't find one, one bad one. Oh my gosh. So what was that like um, when you kind of realized that that was like it was all you? Um, honestly, I don't remember in that moment feeling really anything other than, hey, we got the phone call. Everything's good. It wasn't until I don't know if I was just so naive about the whole process, because looking back, like if I would have had a blog back then, I'm, I'm curious to know what I would have wrote because I was just so naive and just. I don't even remember being stressed during IVF. You know what I mean? Like I never, like I, I, I read a lot of other women's blogs and, and on Instagram and they're constantly Googling symptoms. I never was like that. I just assumed it would work. I just never really looked into anything. But whenever we found out about his bum count, I never really thought much about it until after everything was all said and done and the IVF didn't work in the way that I wanted it to work type of a thing and, and what we're going through. It wasn't until after that, that everything started to set it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it didn't hit me. That, that was like, it, it, it wasn't until now we're not doing treatments. We've had the miscarriage and now it's kind of like, Oh crap. Like this is not <laughs> like if we're happen. doing this naturally. Like it really is yeah. now my fault. You know what I mean? Like before, like we could maybe get around me you know, and right. now it's like, we can't get around me, you know, and, 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 and not to throw my mom under the bus, but she didn't know what to say either. When I finally was talking to her and, uh, it was right after I had the IVF and I, and I was on bed cause I got ovarian hyperstimulation. So I was on bed rest. I gained like nine and a half pounds of fluid mm. in like 24 hours. I almost had to be hospitalized. But, um, after all that was over and it was in that kind of like the two week wait after IVF, the transfer was done and 
um, to keep my mind off of things, I redid some furniture. Like I sanded down some furniture and painted it like in our backyard and stuff. And, um, I didn't think anything of it. Didn't, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't that girl that was like, I'm not moving out of this bed. I'm eating every pineapple core that I could, you know what I mean? Right. Like I, I, I didn't even know about pineapple core actually at the time. I well, didn't this was anything. back in what, 2012, right? Yeah. So people probably weren't talking about this then. I know in no, 2014. I, didn't have a smartphone. I wasn't on Instagram. I didn't even, yeah. I barely got on Pinterest, you know, it just wasn't my thing. But I remember when I was talking to my mom shortly after, um, the miscarriage had happened and stuff. I remember she, and she didn't say it to be mean. And, and, and people do not say things after you've had a miscarriage or when you're going through treatments or they're asking, they're giving you advice. They're not doing it maliciously. So my mom right. didn't do this malicious. And I want people to realize, don't lash out at them. But my mom was like, do you think you did too much? Mm. And at the time, like I, I didn't think anything, like I didn't think her comment was bad. You know, I was like, no, I didn't do too much. Like, but it wasn't until like months later when things weren't happening and I was remembering, I was like, maybe she's right. Yeah. That's maybe I did too, yeah. too much. But at the time, like her comment wasn't like, and that's like, but now if it was to happen and now that everything I've been through in blogs, I read, if somebody was to say that to me, I would be offended, you know? But at the time, like, I was just so naive about everything. I was like, no, I don't, I don't think I did too much, you know? But like I said, it's not until now, years later, and I think about the one time I did get pregnant, you know, the doctor did it and he knocked me up. Maybe <laughs> I did do too much. Maybe I shouldn't have been outside. In yeah. May, sanding down dressers and painting dressers, you know? So I say all that to say, like, whenever I got the phone call about my husband, no, it didn't affect me then. It's not until years later that, because the battlefield's in your mind, you yeah. know, the longer, like, I, I think the biggest enemy of your faith is, is time. The longer time goes, the more you start to question and the more you start to doubt and the more you start to think things. And so I think, you know, like now, yes, it does I have to like switch my thoughts be like, yeah. no, it doesn't matter if it's him or if it's me, all the women in the Bible that struggle to conceive God never put why. And because it doesn't matter why, like it doesn't matter if I have PCOS or you have endometriosis or you have male factor. It doesn't like, right. it's all the same to God. You know, like it's, it's like a headache to him. It's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's something minor. It's something minuscule. So I just have to always constantly switch my thoughts that, you know what? It doesn't matter that it's, him or me, he doesn't blame me. He doesn't talk about it. Right. You know, he doesn't, it's because it, he, uh, he, he's also very firm in his faith. He also knows that it doesn't matter if it was him and it wasn't me, Yeah, you know, but it, I, I still sometimes carry that guilt and, and I have to release it that the reason why he doesn't have a, you know, a biological child is because of me. Like sometimes I think of that, right. but I just have to release it. And just, but just like, you know, if, when you do have your miracle, you're going to know that this is your child that God has given you for this moment in this right. moment in history. But he knew in 2006 that you guys were to be put together for this moment, for this marriage, right. for this, for this battle to go through it together. Right. You know, I mean, I can't control what goes on in my body <laughs> at all. I can take all the supplements I want. I can eat all the pineapple. Like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I, I always tell myself I can do what I can do and I'm going to let God do what I can't do. Yeah. And for me, what I can do is I can seek scripture over my body. I can make sure that my thoughts are, are positive thoughts. I always say that if God wouldn't think or say it, then neither should I. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's huge. Like God would never look at me and say, yep, you're right. You can't get pregnant. Yep, you're right. It's, you know, that's PCOS. That's too much for me. Like if God wouldn't think it and God wouldn't say it, 
then it's, I shouldn't either, you know? So I always try to do what I can do and I let God do what he can. So I can speak positive. I can think positive. I can continue to pray and I can continue to believe, you know, I can, we have a nursery that we have made in faith. It's got a crib, a changing table, a recliner, it's decorated. Like I can do what I can do and I'm going to let God do what he can't, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so that's, that's kind of where we're at. And people are always like, well, do you have a, expiration date, (laughs) you know, like, like either go back to the doctor or just give up, you know, on the dream or whatever. And I thought, you know what, it's not my, like, yes, it's a dream, but God gave me this dream and only he can take it away. Only he can put an expiration date on something. I don't ever want to put an expiration date on something that God put in my heart. Yeah. You know, not to say that he couldn't fill it after I was like, forget it, I'm done. But the Bible says that with, with God, all things are possible. And I think sometimes we just think, oh, with God, like with God, like he can do anything and and he can, but that with, like he wants to work in partnership with you. Mm -hmm. He wants to be with you. He wants your thoughts to be like his thoughts. He wants you speaking like he speaks to you because that's how things happen is when we partner our faith with him, you know? And so, um, I, I just try to remain in that state where I'm with God in this. I read on when you posted your story on your blog, I read um your statement. You said I knew God is bigger than PC- PCOS and through Jesus I have a 100% chance of conceiving on my own. Correct. And I love that cuz doc- cuz doctors have to give you percentages. We were told less oh, yeah. than 3 and you know Oh yeah, I have, I've well, I don't know what it is now. Probably less. <laughs> but at the time <laughs> Them old the eggs. told me I had 3% yeah. chance of conceiving on my own. But with so. God, it's 100%. I love that. That was so good. Um, so I feel like I kind of hear this pattern with what you're saying, what you're kind of you sharing your story in the beginning, when you were kind of going through these treatments, it was, you're saying things like you couldn't really, you don't really remember your Bible, Bible stories and yeah. And so when, like how, when is this transition from who you were then to who you are now speaking such faith and encouraging women across the nation, which we'll get to in a minute, but how, like, how did that happen? What was that process like? I have no I have no idea, really. Um, I, re- <laughs> I remember when we started the the process with an RE. Like, I, I, had, I had a craving to know more. We started attending um, a church about twenty minutes from our house. It's called Crossroads Bible Church, and it really just started to challenge me and and, and change my thinking. Like as an adult now, and and started opening my eyes. And I just got a, a deeper craving, and I bought the devotional Jesus Calling right before we started all the mm-hmm. uh, the treatments because I thought, well, you know, <laughs> like anybody else, I need to get closer to God so that then He'll it, hear me yeah, better. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but Jesus Calling honestly changed everything for me as far as my relationship. Like anytime a woman will message me and they don't know where to start. I always just, I'm like, well, this was like my lifesaver. Jesus calling devotional by Sarah Young. And, uh, because before, before I got Jesus calling like devotional time and actually even kind of during that whole process that we were doing IVF and stuff, like my devotional time, it was basically, I, I did it if Good Morning America wasn't good that day. Like if I was like, yeah, I got yeah. some time left before I have to go do this. I'll do my devotional real quick, you know. Now it's like I don't miss a beat. Like, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and the way I think of it is like, first of all, I, I always do something in the morning because you need to do something. It's like putting on clothes. You need to put on Jesus because not that – it will keep the enemy away for the day, 
but the enemy's already got plans for you also for that day. And if you get up and you start reading scripture, you're armoring yourself and it's like, dang it. The enemy's like, all right, well, I got to switch it up or I got to do something different. Or maybe, you know, like if, if, if you do your devotional in the morning, as opposed to like some women do it at night, but if you do it in the morning, especially, and something comes against you, it's like, you can reflect back to that morning. It's yeah. like, you've already put on Jesus. He's it's already on. You don't have to go like looking shield. for him or, yeah. you know, like anyway, but I always, what keeps me motivated, I have a personal relationship with Jesus and I always imagine him sitting in my prayer closet every morning waiting for me. Mm. And so if I don't go up there because I've got something else so important to do, I think about how he's just sitting there waiting patiently Mm. for me to get there. And I don't want to be late for him. So, but I don't know when it switched, honestly, when I heard Josiah and I just started seeking God more, seeking more peace. I don't know. Like there was no definite moment. There was no switch. It just, just happened. And that's Mm kind of how God works. It just happens. Like if you want more of God, he'll give you more of him and you won't even really be able to pinpoint the moment that it happened. Yeah. It just is there. Wow. Which those times with the Lord have obviously changed you and given you a platform to encourage so many women. So you have a blog called waiting for baby bird. And, um, I've actually, I found you in so many different ways when I was even researching for this podcast, your name just pops up all over the infertility community online. Um, so tell us about, I never Googled my name. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) It's all good. I think it was actually one blog was like top 10 or top 20 um, fertility blogs, infertility blogs, and you were on it. So good job. Um, So what are, so tell me about that. Like when did you start it? Why did you start it? Tell me about it. I don't like writing. So this is like, when I tell people that they're like, no, you're lying. No, really. I I don't even like writing a note to my husband, like texting. uh, I don't even like texting sometimes. I'm just like, I'll just call you. But, um, it was after IVF. I had went to, um, I had went to Evansville, which is where I go to the doctor and stuff. It's in Indiana. It's like 45 minutes away. Nothing is in my little small town, (laughs) but, um, I went to, eat someplace. I was by myself and I was like, I had already heard the name Josiah and stuff. And I knew I wasn't going back to the doctor. And I was sitting there eating tacos at this place called Taco Tierra. And, um, and I heard, I was talking to God, like, what do you want me to do now? Like, I just felt like I needed to help other women or something. Um, and I heard three words, hope, healing, and blog. And, that's all like nothing like connected together. It wasn't complete sentences. Like these words just came to me and I didn't even know what a blog was. I knew nothing about blogs. Like I didn't even know that those recipes that I would always look up, those were blogs. Like I didn't know that that's what that was. (laughs) Like I went home and I Googled what is a blog? Like, how do you start a blog? Like, what is this? And I, there is a blog out there somewhere. I started one that day. I never wrote on it. I don't even remember my password, but it's out there. <laughs> it's got my name on it. Maybe you should because try Googling your name. To it because I didn't, I didn't like why I didn't even know where to start, you know, but I heard hope and healing and blog. And, um, it wasn't until later that God really started pushing me to start. Like, I just felt like in my heart to start a support group. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things also, like, I thought, well, maybe that's like the last thing I got to do before I get pregnant. I'm going to start a support group. So I jumped on it. Like the next week I started a support group. <laughs> I called it hope 
and it stood for holding on to the promises and expectations. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of flopped. I had women come up to 10 and then like every week because I had it weekly, like it just got lower and lower and lower until it was like me and one girl. <laughs> and I'm like, why? And it was stressing me out because, you know, I thought of myself as a failure. I'm like, this didn't work. I heard God wrong, you know. But at the same time, I just, I kept telling my husband, I was like, I really feel like God would be a sort of support group. But I just maybe feel like it wasn't just the right time. Like, that's kind of just what kept coming to me. So I stopped doing it, and um, I decided to start a blog. And I came up with a name in a day because I love birds. Love birds. My grandma, she's passed away, but she loved watching birds, and she would, like, interrupt your conversation to tell you about the birds. And I was <laughs> like, Grandma, I'm talking to you. Like, I don't care about the bird, you know? But um, so I've always been loving birds basically ever since she passed away when I was a junior in high school. And I, so I decided to call it waiting for baby bird and I started the blog. And then the next thing I know it's got now, you know, on my Facebook page, 36,000 followers. Um, it, I didn't realize, you know, like how big it was going to be. Right. Sometimes I, it's overwhelming and kind of stressful that I, I sometimes think that if I would have known, I wouldn't have done it because Which seems I don't to be like a pattern. writing. A pattern I, in your life. The time, I was like, God, I will write. But don't you dare ask me to speak. <laughs> don't you say learned? that because I said Haven't that with foster this? parenting. Because here I am at least once a month I'm speaking at a different conference. Mm. Or I'm speaking at a different event for somebody else. And it's so far out of my comfort zone because I don't like writing. And I don't like public speaking. I absolutely like I can't eat like, for like days before. I get so nervous. I get so sick. But that's how it started. I heard those three words. Hope, healing, and and, and blog. And so that's kind of how it started. And, and as far as a support group, I, I have a new one. It's called the nest. Wow. So, um, that's how all of, all of that had gotten started was, was through that. Do you have any, any advice for any, like some women who obviously don't live within your radius that want a support group like that, but they had know nothing. They, they can't find anything like that. Do you have any advice for them on how they could go about that? First thing is to ask God to send people into your life mm-hmm. because he will. A lot of times we try to do things in our own strength or our own abilities. We try to look for people or look for support groups in our own way. And then it doesn't happen. And we never think to ask God to bring somebody. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls. Like a lot of times when, and this goes with anything that we do, especially with, with infertility, we run out of our own strength. I can't tell you how many times I message women. I'm like, well, ask God to give you strength. And they always write back. I never thought about that. Mm. We don't think about asking him to do what we can't do. Like if you look for, for support, just that one friend that gets it, you know, ask God to, to highlight somebody to you and to be open because he may bring somebody's name to your, to your mind. And you're like, no, you never know. Well, that's that person what I was, could be exactly yeah. what you need. And they're not even going through infertility. They just have a heart for you. Exactly. But you don't know. Like, just lean in and ask God because he speaks. He's not going to withhold. Mm-hmm. The Bible and, says you ask for wisdom. He will give it freely. He does not care to tell you his plans. You know, we just aren't asking and we're not listening. I'm, I'm guilty of asking God a question mm-hmm. and then going to do laundry. Yeah. And not sitting in his presence where his presence are, you know, where his gifts are and, and his words of, of knowledge and words of wisdom are. So the first thing I would do is as cliche as it sounds, it works. Ask God to send somebody or to highlight somebody to you. Um, second thing is definitely get planted in church. Yes. I had the, the, the one girl that 
it was just me and her at the end of the support group. It's crazy. I'm so glad I did start that one that she ended up coming to the second one. And she actually just found out two months ago after 12 years of battling infertility, unexplained infertility, but suspected PCOS and some endometriosis and tilted uterus and some other things. But she is supernaturally pregnant. Wow. And she's actually going into her second trimester. But she wasn't planted in a church when she first started attending my first group. Wow. And I feel like that first group, if anything, God uses, even if it wasn't his timing and it wasn't his plan at the moment for me to start that group, he still works everything out for your good because it opened up the door for me to get to know her for then her to come to the second one. Um, but, uh, I remember one time I was talking about how somebody had said something to me in church and it spoke directly to me. They just came up and it was like a, a huge encouragement. I can't remember what it was. And she's like, dang it. I wish somebody would throw me a bone and I'm very blunt and outspoken. And without even thinking, cause she wasn't even like a really good friend of mine. It was not something you say to like, anyway, but I said, well, it helps if you go to the boneyard. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I said it. Well, she's a very blood outspoken yeah. girl too and she's like so she can handle right, it. Yeah. touche I got that and so she immediately started to have a relationship wow. with God after that because up until that point she saw God as somebody just sitting up there going you get a baby you get a baby you don't get a baby you get oh. a baby arbitrary Yeah. you know until she started digging into the word and finding out Romans 2.11 says God does not show favoritism that he healed all who came to him and she's like I'm not coming to him you know and so um definitely get planted in a church. It, God loves to speak through people, mm -hmm. but unless you put yourself out there and you even tell your story to people, how are they even going to know? Yeah. They don't know. No, they have no idea. So that's my, that's two of my biggest pieces of advice, you and know, just to piggyback um, off of what you said, the, you know, your number one was, you know, ask God to show you, ask him to give you spiritual eyes to see these things because, if they saw you today, you wrote a blog about it. If they saw you in the grocery store, you'd be holding the hand of your little girl. Right. And if they didn't know you had a blog, they would immediately categorize you as you've got your, you've got your miracle. You don't deal with this. Like I deal with this. So I'm not going right. to reach out to you. But in reality is your story is very different than that. Right. And there are people in, in your lives right now, maybe they do have six kids naturally, but they've gone through 12 miscarriages Exactly, that they, they know loss and they have a passion for encouraging women, or maybe they have a foster girl like you mm -hmm. and they are, you know, maybe she's adopted now, but they are still yearning for that baby that they know God promised them. Yes. So ask for God to give you spiritual eyes. And then, like you said, you know, sharing your story. I know sharing we talk your story about this. Huge. I, I, I did a lesson, um, in my really support group last August about this because like for some, when Jesus rose from the dead, they did not believe it was Jesus until they saw his scars. A lot of times we're wearing turtlenecks and everything else trying to hide our scars. Protect like, ourselves. Figuratively speaking. But sometimes, even if like a lot of people are like, oh, well, after I get my baby or afterwards, I hear this all the time, then I'll share my story. No. <laughs> People need to hear your story now so that they can pray for you so that you can maybe yeah. minister to somebody else because everybody knows somebody that yeah. is dealing with something, you know, but yeah. the only way that sometimes people will be pointed to Jesus is if you show your scars, if you show your open wounds, you mm -hmm. know, that's, that's the only way some people believe that that was Jesus by Jesus, like saying, look at my scars, look at what I've been through. You know, even if the situation hasn't even resolved, I remember I, um, last summer, my colon ruptured 
And um, I had diverticulitis and didn't even know it. I went from feeling fine to I'm in ICU within 24 hours. And I remember they were talking about if the medicine didn't work, the hole didn't close up on its own, that they were going to have to cut a section of my colon out. I was going to have to wear, I called it a poop bag. But and I got like 50,000 emails from people saying that that was inappropriate. <laughs> I don't even know the technical term, but that's, it a just, bag? that's just my language. Yeah. It's, it's a poop bag. Okay. People, You're the one like, wearing uh, it. <laughs> so what? So I'm going to say it. it. It was a poop bag. But I was worried and I was very fearful of that. And I remember I got online and I was looking for Facebook. Do you know how many Facebook groups there are for diverticulitis? Just as many as there are for infertility. But I remember I was scouring those pages. I wasn't Googling because I was bad, but I was scouring these pages just wanting to hear their stories. I didn't care if the surgery went well or it went bad. I didn't care if their hole closed or didn't close. I just wanted to hear their story. Yeah. There was something about it. People just want to hear your story, whether it ends good or bad. People just, it's like having that me too moment, you yeah. know, people just want to hear your story. Don't be afraid to sh- Yes, you may get bad advice, but you know what? You cannot control what somebody says to you, but you can control how you react. Yeah. And you just have to remember, you know what? It's coming from a good place. They're just trying to help me out. How many times do people come to us and we give them advice and they didn't ask for it? Not related to infertility, but something else. We're just as guilty, yeah. you know? So don't be afraid to share your story in fear of, oh, well, they'll tell me this or they'll be all up in my business. And a you lot know? Of times but what about that find... one person that can offer you yeah. something beneficial? It's so worth it. And sometimes you'll find a lot more grace on the other side of sharing your story exactly. than when they don't know it. I mean, I, I hear way more stories about, thank you so much for encouraging me to tell my story. It, it was way better than I expected compared to, I can't believe I shared my story. I wish I would. Yeah. Like that's like, I hardly ever hear that. Hardly ever. And I was, I, I always think back about this moment and this girl is probably listening to this podcast because, you know, we still stay in contact and she's still going through secondary like we are. Um, but it was, it was my daughter, um, in her class, they had, we, there was these two moms that we wanted to, we all wanted to get breakfast. So there were three of us. And I knew this one lady to my right that, um, she had had, she had did some, some infertility treatments with her son and they were, they, you know, they got pregnant miracle. Awesome. Um, now they were going through round two, like we were, and she knew my story cause I was very open about it on Facebook and just in conversation and, um, the, the third woman to my left though, we didn't know her that well. And so the woman that I knew had gone through it, she kind of whispered to me, she was like, so what's the latest with you guys? Like, are y'all going through treatments? And I was like, and I didn't whisper back. I was like, oh yeah, we're starting IUI and blah, blah, blah. So I just started going through everything. <laughs> and the girl to my left who we didn't know that well, she was like, oh my gosh, you guys are doing IUIs. You know, my son's go- was, is an IUI baby. And so like right there in the coffee shop, there's three of us at the table. All three of us have done fertility rounds we all have gone through it and the one girl that you know is very private about it she was like I just don't know anyone other than you that has gone through it but look right here this girl like she's one of us she's in our club so you just have to talk about it sometimes and that doesn't yeah we were signing for our house last May okay and the girl sitting across from us uh the title lady I don't even, I don't know anything about buying a house either, but I did. My husband took care of everything, but we were sitting there. We just got to talking about, cause at the time Michaela wasn't adopted yet. And I said something about, um, 
Michaela, she's like, oh, do you have a daughter? I was like, well, she's our foster daughter, you know? And she's like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. I was like, yeah, I was like, I didn't, you know? And I didn't really go into the story. I just talked about um, how we don't have any biological children right now. We're going through infertility. Mm-hmm. I, I just went ahead and said yeah. it <laughs> right there and for like making it completely awkward for everybody. Because I am looking at this girl that's sitting across from me. She looks to be my age, maybe a little bit older. And she's talking about how she doesn't have children either. That's yeah. a red flag to me. Oh, yeah. And as somebody who is has an infertility blog and loves to encourage women, I thought, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to see if she takes the bait. Yeah. And she did. Yeah. She immediately started talking about how her and her husband have tried for over 10 years. She doesn't think it's going to happen. The girl that's sitting next to her is her coworker, looks over at her, and she goes, you never told me this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, it's not like a topic of conversation. And she goes, my sister's going through infertility. And she's like, and so she's started talking about, mm-hmm. next thing I know, we're not signing papers anymore. These two women are having a conversation oh, wow. about it. And so, like, it totally bonded them. And there's just so many people around you. Yeah. That, that are, and you don't even, until you say something, that she totally had, like, you could just see the little light come on in her eyes whenever I said, you know, we're going yeah. through infertility. It was almost like, we're best friends. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh she immediately. she friends with a coworker because her sister's going through it, you know? Yeah, I met a girl yesterday at church that, it's funny, like, she's she's has two IVF babies that twins and but because people know her story and my story they're like you've got to meet her you got to meet her so we finally met yesterday in the lobby and like 45 minutes later I had to be pulled away from the conversation because it's like we're in this together and like we've, yeah. we're in this club and we have so much to talk about um God so never intended us for go to go no. through any problems or life in general happy moments sad moments hard yeah. moments alone he never and if you don't want to get did. online and just blast your story, then, then find some. So here's what we do. This is just a little trick that we, that, I mean, I didn't do this on purpose, but I've just found that it works. So because we have our, our little girl, Emma, she's almost, or she's three and a half because we have her, um, it's easy. It's an easy transition for me when people ask like about your kids or, um, you know, if we're going to have more or anything, if I suspicion that maybe they're dealing with something, because like you said, there's a sixth sense, like when you're about the right age and you don't have kids and you're married and like right. you're asking, you're, there's something maybe going on. So, um, I, we always introduce her as our miracle baby. Uh-huh. And so it's almost like a, like a big red flag to that person saying like, if you want to know more, ask more. I'm so glad you said that because my mom and a lot of my friends would get mad at me whenever Michaela was a foster child. And in certain situations, I do say she's our adopted daughter. Not because I want to put labels on her, kind of like you with the miracle baby, but because it's, it's a, a lead-in. Yeah. Like, it's only in certain situations I'm like, oh, this is our foster daughter. And I only do it in certain, like you said, certain situations where you just have that little red flag. Yeah. That, and I also, like, whenever we have small groups with, like, other couples at our church, and it's couples that I, I've never met before, but they don't have kids, I always introduce, and she's never usually around. I make sure that, you know, she doesn't just, like, think, oh, she, I'm just the adopted daughter, because she's seven, you know? But um, I do introduce her that way, just because I know how it's felt to sit into a room where everybody's got kids, yeah. and you're the only one who doesn't. And if you don't and have so kids, there's ways know, for you oh, to do that. Oh, wait a minute. It's a foster adoptive. And I, and then, so like, sometimes I tell the story, like we're struggling with infertility and sometimes I just leave it, you know, she's our foster, you know, um, that, that we've adopted daughter or whatever, just because it lets them know you're not alone. Yeah. Exactly. Like I don't have any biological children either. And I'm in this with you. Yeah. When it's your bio time, we used to do it in our life groups when we were in new life groups and we didn't have kids, we didn't have Emma yet. We would say that, and we're, you know, we're in the process where we're trying to 
have kids We're you know, we're waiting on that to happen. And we would just say something like that. And then if someone came up to us afterwards and like, so what's going on, then, you know, like, oh, this is a person I can tell. And if they don't right. ask, then they don't care. And it's okay. Um, but you right. didn't, you didn't delve into too many details, but you just threw it. It's like you said, it's bait that you throw out and yes. God may use that to bring you with some, into community with someone else. So just, just try it. It's, it'll change your life when you can totally share about it and talk about it and not feel like you're stuck in this private bubble. Because I, th- I think ever you know this, if you're listening, the enemy um, wants you to feel isolated when yes. he wins, whenever you are quiet and whenever you're alone. And so well, the enemy knows the word of God better than any, better than you, me and you know, anybody else. He knows the word, word for word. And he also knows that whenever we get around other people who get it, and especially other believers who can offer hope and encouragement, mm-hmm. there's strength. You know, there's a statistic that says that um, out of women who attend support groups, especially faith-based support groups, the percentage rate of getting pregnant whether through medical treatment or supernaturally is 54% compared to 22% of those who do not attend the support group. And there's just so much power in praying for each other Mm -hmm. and speaking life over your dreams, you know, because maybe they don't believe, but you're able to hold their hands up for them, you know, and believe for them whenever they can. And it makes a huge difference. And he wants to keep you isolated. So Mm -hmm. you do feel alone and you do feel hopeless and you feel like you're all by yourself. You know, there's sometimes where somebody needs to kind of, spiritually smack you in the face and say, God is, a, you know, for you. Yeah. He's not against you. You know, sometimes you just need somebody to say that. Yeah. To wake you up. Man, that's so good. I feel like people are going to think that I'm always on the share your story soapbox, but I will always be on the soapbox. <laughs> I will always, yeah. Because I'm always, I'm all about sharing your story. You know, I know people have their reasons, but I'm like, just share it with one. Yeah, one we person. were in a small group a year ago and I looked around the room. It was couples. And I think out of eight couples, five, not including myself, was going through infertility or had gone through infertility Mm -hmm. and they were a source of encouragement to me. But imagine if none of us would have ever said anything, I would have felt alone in that room, Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel alone. Even though we didn't talk about it, it wasn't like a topic of conversation. I just knew for some reason you just didn't feel alone. You know, that if, if I did not, if I didn't feel like talking that day or I just said, you know what, I'm just having a bad day, whether it was infertility related or not, they just knew it was almost like they just knew five, five couples out of eight. You know, but imagine if they would have all been quiet. Right. And some of them had kids. What if that, you know, I just would have felt like everyone's yeah. got kids. Yeah. But me, you know, except, I mean, we had Michaela, but she was foster at the time. So it wasn't like, you know, and now that she is our adopted daughter, I know you're going through secondary infertility. I, I, I didn't like as the second we left that courthouse and I was going down the steps, I immediately felt like. I don't know that it's the exact same feeling that somebody with secondary infertility has, but I felt close to it because here I have Michaela and it's not that now I want a baby and I want to give mm-hmm. my husband that opportunity, mm-hmm. but I want her to have a sibling. Yeah. And it was like all of a sudden this huge, I felt this huge weight yeah. on me because it's not just like now she's my foster child. Like she's my child. And now like I feel for her because she has two siblings and because of reasons they cannot live together or see each other. She had two siblings she lived with and now she has zero. Yeah. And now it's like, it's up to me. Yeah. So it's not like I know secondary infertility, but yet I know secondary yeah, infertility and it really bothers me when people try to diminish those thoughts and that pain. Yeah. Because it may be different, but it's pain is pain. You bleed. Mm -hmm. 
or you cut yourself, you bleed. I cut myself, I bleed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't play the pain Olympics. Like, mine's worse than yours or whatever. So, but it's easy, it's easy to get in that trap though, especially. I think it's so easy. I think it's probably in any world. Like, I mean, I can't imagine, like, if, if, you know, if you're dealing with cancer, I'm sure it's the same. Like, my cancer is worse than yours. Mine's more terminal. My treatment was harder. I'm, I'm sure it's the same. But I just, I think it's another way that the enemy tries to isolate us. To destroy relationships. Because the enemy hates relationships. Yeah. He hates your relationship with God above all, above all things. But he also hates relationships with marriages, with friends, because he knows that God created us from Mm -hmm. what? Relationship with him and relationship with people. So if I hate anything that God has created or designed, and he's always trying to find some way to wreck it. And because we're human, we fall into that comparison yeah. trap. Yep. Oh, so. there's so much good stuff that you've talked about. Well, thank you for fighting and for bringing us along to fight with you. And so glad you came on today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Alicia is so real and I love how raw she gets at moments and her blog is just like her. You guys, you need to go check it out. It's waitingforbabybird.com. There's just a lot of good stuff on there. And she told me before we had to get off the interview that she prays over and responds to every single message that comes through her website or her Facebook page. And so I just encourage you guys to reach out to her. Her heart is for you and to help you grow closer to Jesus through this journey. Don't forget to rate and review and share the podcast. Every time you do, it helps more women find joy even in this journey. I had a lady reach out again this week and just say how much the podcast has changed her life. And it was all because you guys are sharing and reviewing and it's reaching more and more women. So thank you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.